0: Dear Lord, thank you for providing a job for my dad. I hope it suits him. He's been saying it's been going well. I love you with all my heart and all my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear God, I'm praying for my mom. Help her to not be mad. Dear God, I'm praying for Nana. My grandpa died, so help her not be sad. Dear God, I hope you take that mom would take one step closer to being home and that I pray that she gets better every single day. Dear God, thank you for this day, but please help my grandma with her surgery on her ribs and on her heart. Dear God, I'm praying for dad. He is the kind of dad that takes care of us really well. Dear God, I'm praying for my mom. Help her foot get better. Dear God, please take away the debt from my mom and dad. Dear God, I'm praying for my grandma, and thank you for healing her from cancer, and please heal her from COVID. Dear God, I'm praying for my dad. Please help him to be calm, and not throw things, and not to yell, and to control his anger. Dear Jesus, I want my dad to please want to kickball with me and catch with me, and I want him to help me with my homework. Amen. Dear God, I'm praying for my mom. She is pregnant. Lord, please take care of my mom and ensure my baby sister is healthy. Dear God, thank you for today. Please help my nanny with her sickness. Dear God, I pray for my mom that she doesn't get too overwhelmed with renovating our house and that we get to move in soon and that um, it all goes well. Amen. Dear God, I'm praying for my mom and dad to have good kids.
1: You know, we've been on a journey together, flipping the script, and it's not just been we adults that have been doing it. We've been doing it with our kids, we've been doing it with our youth, and they've been learning the truths of walking in a sound mind in the mind of Christ and such. They've been learning to replace lies with truth, and they're actually practicing obedience. So that was just a sampling of all the prayers that they prayed during the season, because they learned the truth, that we give all our worries and cares to God, for He Cares for you. We as a church are about many things, but one thing we're about is this we're going to raise up the next generation. There are warriors rising up among us. I I don't know what generation is going to see Jesus return, but there's going to be a generation, we'll talk about it next week, that's going to fulfill the gospel, that the gospel of the kingdom are going to go to all the nations of the earth, all the peoples, and then the end is going to come, and maybe we are helping raise up that generation. We are going to be a people who believe that no matter what the circumstances of our world are, are, there's going to be a people of God who are going to be strong, and I'm so blessed to be part of raising that up. But in the midst of raising up the next generation, to be who all they're supposed to be in the Father, we also recognize something else. There's something about children that inspires our faith. I mean, have you ever wondered why that is? Um, Think about it for a moment. When it comes to parenting, most of us would say our job as a parent is to help our children grow up, to mature so that they're ready to face reality. But what if we're not supposed to grow up in all things the way we think we're supposed to grow up? For the past few years, a question has, in a good way, just resonated in my soul. I've given it to you a couple of times. I think it's so important I'm going to pose it to you again. Is it possible that at least in some ways we've grown up too much? See, is it possible, and I'm just throwing this out there for you to ponder, to think about, but is it possible that the struggle we have with mental health, not just in society, but let's be honest, in the church as well, maybe it's because in some ways we've grown up too much. And before you utterly dismiss me as being naive about reality, listen to the words of Jesus. He extended to us this incredible invitation. Come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden. Think about that. Does not labor and heavy laden describe the mental state of most of America right now? He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, he says, my burden is light. The scripture reveals to us that the nature of God is really beyond what our mind can comprehend right now. He is three, yet he is one. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yet according to the ancient language, he is God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one God. So he is three, yet he is one. We as humans are made just like him. We're made in his very image. It means we are three, yet we are one. Do you know that we have a body, but that's not all we have. We have a soul, and we have a spirit. Do you know what comprises our soul? As in you will be given rest for your souls. Our soul is our mind and our emotions. Our soul is our thinking and the emotions tied to our thought life. So Jesus did this radical thing. He says that if you come to him, if we partner with him by taking his yoke, if we learn from him, he will give us what? Rest for our souls, health for our minds and emotions. And I know that raises a lot of questions for us because some of us are saying, I've been a Christian for a lot of my life, yet there's still struggles in my mind. I'm still having problems with health in my brain. Why? Maybe. I just throw it out there for you. Maybe it's because we've grown up a little too much. And I get that idea, believe it or not, from Jesus himself. So here's what I want you to do. I want everyone, wherever you are, I want you to grab your Bible and I want you to turn to the passage where Jesus makes this promise for rest for our souls. It's the 11th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. If you're a part of our online family, we love having you. If you're on our online campus, beltway.org, best way to engage online, there's a Bible icon, just click on it there. And I would tell you, online family, give a little interaction. Um, to the rest of your online family there. If you're on Facebook, YouTube, push pause, get your Bible open, push play again. For everyone in our physical services, North Campus, South Campus, it's a joy to be with you, a joy to worship. We have a lot of -of out-of-town guests because it's homecoming at a couple of our universities. Just want to give a shout-out to parents and grandparents. Love having your kids in Abilene. Thank you for trusting your kids with us. We promise we're going to labor for the fullness of God's destiny in their lives along with you. You can grab a Bible, North and South Campus, underneath your chair, the chair back in front of you. You can find a Bible. If you don't own one, take it. If you do, turn to page 816. 816. Now, this is the last week. I know it's sad. But this is the last week of Flip the Script. This is my last message in the series. Your small group is going to be your last group discussion on this particular topic. You're going to finish your reading in your book. Well, some of you are going to finish reading in your book coming up. The rest of us are catching up, right? But here's what you've discovered. You've discovered, I've discovered that flipping the script isn't a six-week process. You're not going to get it all. It's actually a lifetime process. It is actually part of being a disciple of Jesus. Don't give up. Continue the journey. Continue to recognize the importance of your thoughts, that our life is going to go in the direction of our strongest thoughts. The Lord is going to show you various lies that you're believing. Here are truths that He can replace them with. We can continue our declarations. We need to see reality the way reality really is through the lens of Jesus, who is the center of all things. We need to guard our minds from all the garbage that can come in so we can have strength in our mind. We guard it through rejoicing and prayer and focusing our attention. I implore you continue the journey if you need to do so read the book again I keep telling you a good book is not a good book till you read it more than once you can listen to messages again you can find other resources you can engage in conversations with your friend the most important facet of your Christian journey are the disciplines of the mind pure and simple Focus on that. Let us be a people who walk more and more with the mind of Christ. And that happens as we embrace something. Jesus says, will bring rest to our souls. Go back up to verse 25. This is the beginning of the context of the promise for Jesus to bring health to our minds. He says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding. I thank you that you have... Hidden, say hidden. This is one of those verses I bet when you're reading on your own, you look at it and you go, that can't mean what it really means. We scratch our head and we quickly move on. But what we tend to think is hidden can't mean hidden in the way we think. Hidden, we think it must mean something different in the original language. It does not. We think, well, maybe the way the first century audience heard it would be different the way we hear it in 21st, second, 21st century America. They would not. Hidden means Hidden. Like out of sight. Listen to me. The scripture says God hides. And I would dare say even the concept of that bothers us. If we really got honest, most of us wish God was a little bit clearer on a lot of things than he is. Am I the only one that's there? Like there's the debate between creation and evolution, between intelligent design and the Big Bang. And I wish God had just done a little bit more and he could have made it clear in my mind. Like if a scientist were looking at a cell through a microscope and on the right hand corner of the cell it just simply said, made by Yahweh. Boom! That would be clear, right? But that's not what God has chosen to do. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and learned See, our God, who promises rest for our souls, hides. There's a reason he hides. And in the reason for his hiding is a condition that brings rest for our souls. I um, now have five grandkids. One I will meet in heaven. Four romp around our world in Abilene. And as I do things with uh, my grandkids, one, I find out I'm old. Like we had my grandkids over on Friday night, and I asked what time they put them to bed, and I was like, my bedtime's earlier than their bedtime and such. But that's what my wife, she stays up late. She took care of them. Um, We had a great time, but it's reminded me of when my guys were little. When my son was a preschooler, he was active and energetic, full of life and all that stuff. But with all the energy of a young boy he had, there was one thing that could make him just sit and focus. There these books called Where's Waldo. If you heard of Where's Waldo, it is awesome because it's that dude that has the red and white striped shirt and he has a red and white hat, and they create this scenario with all this activity in it. And they hide Waldo in there, and he could look for like, it started with like 15 and then 30 minutes and 45 minutes. My wife and I love Waldo. I mean, we would have supported Waldo making thousands of books just for the energy that it took from our kid and gave us a little break in life. In fact, for a season, I had this idea that we could play real-life Waldo. And so I'd tell my son, hey, I want you to be Waldo, and I want you to go hide, and I will come and find you. We old-timers called that hide-and-seek. It's a simple thing. Now, I will confess, on occasion, during like, A big ball game. I would suggest we play real-life Waldo, and he hid so well, I couldn't find him. Almost as if I didn't look, right? Yeah, don't look at me like that in judgment. Y'all did the same thing. Some of you are young parents right now, and you're thinking, I have not thought of that. See, I gave you another tool in your parenting tool belt. You're welcome. Yeah, now eventually they catch on. Because he would start asking, hey, you going to look for me if I go hide? And then you have to, like, look for them. But you know what I discovered? Kids don't like to hide. Kids like to be found. More than they like to be found, they like to be sought after. They like for somebody to seek them. Why? It shows value. It shows worth. When you will go above and beyond the norm to find that which is hidden, It speaks of the value you have for that which is hidden. And it's not just with kids. The level we're willing to seek that which is hidden, that which doesn't come in the obvious, demonstrates how valuable we think someone or something is. And we see it all over the scripture. God believes he is so valuable. He knows he is so worthwhile that he actually hides himself in life. He is worthy more than anything. Take all of creation, combine it together, and God is worth more than that. And because he is worth more than that, and he knows he's worth more than that, and he knows we need him, he hides from you and I. But here's the great news. He doesn't hide in such a way that you cannot find him. But there is a condition Look at verse 25 again. Jesus did not just thank the Father that he hid things from the wise and learned, but he also thanked the Father that he revealed things. And he revealed things, not to the normal, but he reveals those things to what? To little children. Only those like little children find rest for their souls. And this isn't just a one-off statement by Jesus. Jesus. We see it again and again in the Gospels. Like in the 18th chapter of Matthew, seven chapters later, the disciples, the closest to Jesus, are arguing about who is going to be greatest in the kingdom of God. And Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you cannot even enter into the kingdom of heaven. So here's the question. What aspect of a little child is Jesus referring to right here? I mean, we know that not everything about a little child is desirable. It's not admirable in life. Children are self Centered, they lack self-control, they need to be motivated by parents, they need to be disciplined to do what right. In fact, there are other biblical passages that actually tell us to quit being like children. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants. Isn't that a radical statement? Be so naive about that which is evil. But you're like a baby. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. So if we're supposed to have our thinking like our adults, but we're supposed to become like little children, what attribute of a little child is Jesus referring to that will bring rest to our souls, that will bring health to our minds? Uh, He continues in Matthew 18. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The key to finding the hiddenness of God is childlike Humility. Now don't let the word humble throw you off here because our society does not use it right. Our society uses it for self-loathing, for self-deprecation. We actually lie about ourselves. I hear people in the name of humility say, well, I'm just not worth very much. Lie! You're worth the price of God's son. There is nothing on planet earth more valuable than you. Not a greater price has ever been paid for anything than what was paid for you. Now, don't get the big head. There are 7.5 billion others worth just an equal amount as you are. But they're not worth any more than you are. I hear people say in the name of humility, well, I just don't have a lot of gifts in life, and I'm not going to amount to much with my life. Why? Why? The scripture says that when we become children of God, he puts his spirit inside of us and he has appointed and destined us to bear great fruit. That we were brought onto planet earth for such a season as this. Humility isn't thinking less of ourselves than God thinks about us. It is not lying about ourselves. It's not self-deprecation. It is not self-loathing. Childlike humility says I need God so much that I'm willing to seek him with everything I have. That's what little children do. We have a lot of kids around Beltway Park. I mean, it, it is amazing who we have. We have six services. Starts on Plus Thursday. We have five services on Sunday over two locations. And there are thousands of kids that are among us. I'm in the foyer all the time, and what I've discovered is this. Sometimes children get lost. They get separated from those in charge of them uh, in the foyer. Now, I will be very honest with you. Of all the children I've found, and it's been more than I can count in 23 years on my fingers and my toes and I see them distraught and such never have they been lost by our wonderful children's serve team. Every one of them got lost from their parents. I'm just saying, no judgment parents. It happens to the best of us, okay? When I find a distraught child in the foyer, they only want one thing. They want mom and dad. Nothing else. That's all their energy focused on mom and dad. I tell them, hey, I'm Pastor David. They're unimpressed. (laughs) I tell them I'm the Pastor David of Beltway Park. They do not care. They don't care about anything until I say this. I will help you find your mom and dad. And then all of a sudden, I'm a buddy. They have not an ounce of shame in saying that the one thing I need in life is my mom and dad. Their security, utterly tied to their mom and dad. Their provision, utterly tied to their mom and dad. Their future, utterly tied to their mom and dad. A little child knows, I don't know if it's instinctual, I don't know what is. but when they have healthy parents in their life, they know those healthy parents are key to their existence. Everything they need are tied in their parents. If there's anything that separates them from their parents, they're gonna do one thing. They are gonna seek with everything they have, their parents, because the totality of their future is tied to mom and dad. Come on, what would it be like if that were true of us with God? See, maybe we've grown up too much. What if we just began to unashamedly say, God, I need you in everything, every facet of life. See, some of us have this idea that there's stuff in life I'm supposed to take care of, and the really big stuff, I'll take that to God. Did you notice in the video the prayers of our little children? They took everything to him, the smallest of things. Almost as if that's what you're supposed to do. Almost as if the scripture says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And maybe somewhere along the way, we started grabbing on more and more of life and thinking more and more of life was up to us. And as we grabbed on more and more of life, it started messing with our head. started taking away the rest in our souls. I mean, come on, if it's true of a little child with their parents, how much truer is it of God that we need him in life? See, God is worth everything we have and he will not be found with casual half-hearted pursuit. One of the most popular verses in all the Bible. It's a great verse. I hope you memorize it and I hope you speak declarations over your life with this verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in a future. I have declarations in my life. It is my belief. I declare that God has plans for my future that are great and they are good and nothing is going to rob me of those things. But there is a condition tied to that verse. Did you know that? The condition that you need to make part of your declaration is this. You will seek me and find me when. Somebody say when. When you seek me with all your heart. Is it possible that some of us are frustrated that the plans of God to prosper us? To give us a hope and future aren't coming about the way we thought, and maybe it's because we've not enacted the win. We've grown up a little bit too much, and we've not sought Him with all of our hearts. Little side note here: we have at Beltway Park a series of three classes called the Growth Track. You know what it's about? Growth Track are simply tools to help you find, help you have abilities to seek God in a better way. Three classes. You don't have to take them in order. The third class we call freedom. It's our freedom encounter. We actually designed purposely right at the end to flip the script. We are going to have freedom encounter weekend. It is next Friday evening. It's next Saturday morning. You say, what's freedom about? Freedom is looking at tools that will help us overcome life's greatest problems. Many of the issues we face in moving forward in life actually have to do with our past. Like, probably most of you have been to some kid's birthday party, grandkids' birthday party, where they had those blow-up things, right? We do all that today. Not in my day, by the way. We didn't have cool stuff like that when I was a kid. Like, if you got a birthday cake and ice cream, big-time party, right? Now you got to have blow-ups and stuff like that, which is awesome. And they have one where there's a race and you tie a bungee cord to you. And you take off running as fast as you can, the person who can take this thing and put it out there the furthest furthest they win. But many of us, our, our lives are like that bungee cord. We're running forward, we think we're going forward, and then something grabs us and snatches us back hard. We've not broken free from the things that keep us from moving forward in the Lord. And what we do at Freedom Encounter Weekend, we have times not just of teaching, we learn tools, but we also have times of encounter. Every one of you, I can't challenge you enough, one of the best investments of your time you say, I don't have the time. Well, maybe we're missing out on the plans and purposes of God, the great ones for our lives, because we just don't make the time to really seek after Him. Next Friday night, Saturday morning, will be a great investment of your time. It's free of charge to you. Doesn't matter if you've done anything else in the growth track. Just go to Beltway.org. Um, you're going to see a link there. Click it. Register. We have ministry for your kids. We're going to continue to help your kids learn the same truths of freedom during that thing. What's going to happen is the truths of Flip the Script and other truths are going to go deeper, and they are going to go wider in life. We seen it again and again. Childlike humility will take our time and we'll use it to seek after the one who alone is worthy of our time and attention. Childlike humility admits I need God so much that I'll seek him with everything, but that's not all. Childlike humility trusts dad more than myself. When I was growing up, like every child, my parents would make me obey things that I didn't understand. That's just part of parenting. We get that. Like one of the worst things that happened to my early education when I, was I learned that my granddad only had a sixth grade education. And he seemed to do pretty well in life. Now, I found out later on in life he said he wished he had a lot more education, but I didn't know that like a third grader. I know granddad just had sixth grade, so I set my sights on finishing school early. Sixth grade, baby, I was done. And my parents said that ain't going to happen. I go, why? Why? I remember when my dad would have me do chores and he would use this word responsibility over and over again. Responsibility. Responsibility. And then, I don't know if your parents did this, but when we did our chores, if my dad didn't like the level that we did our chores at, then you got to do them again. And you got to keep doing the chores until you got them to the level that he wanted them to be at. And he would mumble this word excellence all the time. Be People of excellence. McQueen's have excellence, et cetera, et cetera. And I didn't understand responsibility. I didn't understand excellence. And my mom, my mom was real focused on our friends. She wanted to know who we were hanging out with, what kind of family they came from, what kind of people they were, et cetera. And I didn't get it. I, I, I didn't understand. And when I asked questions about the things they had me obey, they would try to explain it, but I really couldn't get it. And then they would look at me and say, one day you'll understand. You know what? I did. I understood that some education would help life get easier. Again, I heard my granddad actually tell me that. I I learned the value of responsibility. I learned the value of excellence. And I learned the truth about friendships, that bad company corrupts good morals. It's in the scripture, but that also means good company. A person who has wise counsel is going to find things in life. But isn't it interesting that as a child, you don't understand and then obey? You obey And then you understand, that is a kingdom principle and it's one that we struggle with the most. Obedience unlocks understanding. See that, let's be honest, that's not what we want. What we want is when God tells me to do something, what I want God to do is not just tell me what to do. I want him to give me an expose on why I need to do that. And then I want him to lay out for me what he is going to do in response to my obedience over the course of, say, the next six months or maybe the next year, or maybe the next five years. And once God tells me all the things he's going to do as a result of my obedience in the next five years, then I can assess whether I want to obey him or not. But that's not the way of a little child. Think of the early apostles. After Jesus was resurrected, 40 days he spent talking to them about the kingdom of heaven. On day 40, he's in Jerusalem, and he looks at them and says, I'm about to leave. And I don't think they ever knew he was just going to pop straight up in the air. But he said, I am going to leave. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive power on high. He's taken up into the air. That's it. Now, if they did what we do, they would have done something like this. You know, he didn't tell us how long we had to wait. How long do you think we're going to have to wait? I mean, he says we're going to get power. What does it look like when power from on high comes upon you? What do you think life's going to look like in six months? He didn't tell us what life's going to look like in six months or nine months. And we're supposed to wait here for who knows how long, for who knows what to happen, to have results we have no idea what they're going to be. And most of us would have thought, well, I have a house, not in Jerusalem, but I have a house up in the Galilee. I bet I could go to my house in the Galilee and be with my family. And I could just wait there. And others of us would have said, well, I I don't really understand what he's talking about. I don't completely get it. Until I completely get it, I'm not obeying. And if they had taken that attitude, they would have missed out on the move of God that launched the revolution of the world. Obedience unlocks understanding. Let's just be really honest here. Some of the things God calls us to obey don't make sense on the front end. Let me give you a few. I could give you dozens, by the way. The Lord himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. We read that in church. We get our spiritual eyes on. We go, yeah. Inside we go, "Uh uh-uh. Because we're Americans. We like to get. That makes no sense until you actually begin to do it. I'll get even more difficult. Do everything. Do how many things? Everything. We're going to start mumbling on this one right here. Without complaining or arguing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Everything without complaining, thanks in all circumstances. Those two verses, about as un American as you can get, right? And they make no sense whatsoever. By the way, if you want to write these down, you can just put in the margin of your notes that includes social media. <gasps> yeah. Somebody of you say, oh, it's time to go home. No, it's really not. Because if you start doing this, you're going to discover something. When you do it, you obey. It unlocks an the understanding. There's a freedom that comes to your mind. There's a freedom that comes to your heart. Hear me. If you try to understand your way to obedience, you'll never get there. If you try to understand your way to obedience, which is normal in thought, you'll never get there. We obey our way of understanding. That is the way of a little child. He said, how can a little child know that? Because a little child knows that their future, their security, their health, their provision, everything's tied to mom and dad. They know mom and dad are for them. They know mom and dad have their best interests at heart. They know mom and dad are going to take care of them. Now, do they require discipline? Absolutely. Do they require a little conjuring and help? Absolutely. But deep down, they know mom and dad have their best interest in mind. So because of the heart of their mom and dad for them, they obey question. Is God for you? Don't just answer that at a church level. I mean, really deep down, does he really have plans for your future? Not destructive. I have a hope in a future for you. Is he so for us that we can trust him enough to obey him when we don't get the end result? And I know some of you are probably asking the great question, how do I know that God is for me? He who did not spare his own son. Remember those communion elements we took earlier? The body and the blood of Jesus. He who did not spare his own son, but willing gave him for us all. How will he not also, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things that we need in life? Do you wonder if God's up in heaven sometimes going, How much do I have to show you before you trust me? How much more do I have to do? I gave you my son. When you were in rebellion and could do nothing to help yourself, I stepped out of heaven and I took upon myself all your guilt, all your garbage, all your past. And I took it upon myself. How much more do I have to do? See, when we know that heart, we're willing to step out to say that God is for you. To say God is for humanity is the understatement of humankind. Listen to me. Because we know his heart, he can be trusted enough to obey before we understand. And what's going to happen is as we obey, he is going to unlock the hidden things of his kingdom. And we're going to find life upon life upon life. Listen to the words of Jesus. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, and you have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, this was your gracious and goodwill. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Come on, be honest with yourself right now. Will I feel weary, burdensome, heavy? Come to me, Jesus says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. But it has conditions. Take my yoke upon you. You partner with him. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, he says. My burden is easy is light. The journey to flip the script, to find rest for our souls, health in our minds, requires childlike humility. See, I'm telling you, truth is this, that in some ways we have grown up way too much, and the result has been hell in our heads. And I am not using that word lightly at all. See, we think that growing up in the Lord means I become more and more independent because that's what we teach our children to do in life. Yeah, we want our children to become more and more independent, move into adulthood, but actually growing up in the kingdom of God is just the opposite. See, before we're in Jesus, we're utterly independent of God. And growing up in Him means we become increasingly dependent. Increasingly dependent. And as we have failed... To walk in increased dependence, we have allowed the forces of hell to wreak havoc on our minds. But Jesus said, come to me, I'm going will give you rest for your souls, your minds, and your emotions, as you just trust that daddy's got it. Some of you are thinking, David, that is just so naive. Really? I mean, if God is who he says he is, I believe he's more than we can comprehend he created all, he knows all, he is in all, he can be seen through all, and yet he is for me, then the most natural thing for me to do is to unashamedly say, God, I need you. And if something begins to separate me from you, I am going to run as hard as I can, because what I want to do is I want to be yoked with you. I want to be side by side with you. And if I ever move away from that, I want to get right back to that place. I am unashamed in saying, I need him. I need him. I need him. I want him. And the more we walk in that, the more we find heaven in our head. We find the reality of the mind of Christ. So let's do this, everyone, online, North Campus, South Campus. I want you to bow your heads. We've given ourselves a few minutes. I'm asking you not to move. We are going to finish this thing up right on time. This is the most important thing we're going to do right here. I want you to do business with God right now. And just right now ask yourself, have I grown up too much? Are there parts of life that I'm just doing on my own? What would it be like in our day-to-day life in our relationship with God to be like a three-year-old. A little child. That dependent. That interactive. That trusting. of Mom and dad. I watch my three-year-old grandkids. They don't worry about a whole lot in life. They know mom and dad got it. They trust. What if we could get there? I think we can get there. What if you just said, Lord, in some ways I've grown up too much. Help me to be more like a little child right now. Yeah, I know there's ways we're to be like an adult. I get that, but there's a humility. Would you just ask God for a childlike humility if you really want it? I want it. Maybe you want grace to seek him more than you ever have in life. I do. It may, it may be a commitment you're making, to the Lord, right now. I'm going to do that Freedom Encounter weekend. Next weekend, that's a step I'm going to take. Maybe there's other things that God wants you to do. But you say, God, I I need grace. I need to seek you more than I ever have. You're not going to do it perfectly. Just take a step forward. Say, God, I want to seek you more than I ever have. I want to turn off the TV. I want to turn off the social media. I want to use some of the tools that I've learned during the season. I just want to seek after you more. I want to worship you a little more. I want to pray some more. I want to read your word more. I want to interact and have godly conversations. I just want to learn more of you. I want to learn of you. Because that's what brings rest to our soul. I need grace, God, to seek you. If you with integrity say, God, I want to seek you more than I ever have in life. Why don't you just put your hand up right now and say, God, I want that. Come on. Don't hesitate. Just put it up. Yeah, you can put those down. If you want grace to obey like a little child, this is a tough one for me. I'm I'm not going to lie to you. I want to understand and understand all the implications before I obey. It's not the way of a little child. I want to obey so I can understand. And I need grace to obey. So I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm asking God to obey even when I don't understand. I'm going to put my hand up. And if you want to join me, throw your hand up right now, God. I need grace to obey you even when I don't understand. When I'm outside my comfort zone, I want to be in that place, Lord God. Yeah, you can put your hand down. Before I go, I would be amiss. I think there's people here who have never given their lives over as a follower of Jesus. Because the thought has been, I need to do certain things, get certain things together before I come to church. I don't want you to come to church, I want you to come to Jesus. Don't get your act together because you can't get your act together before Jesus. Jesus gets your act together. Really, it's an exchange of life. You give Jesus your life to follow him, he gives you your his life. You give him your unrighteousness, he gives you his righteousness. You give him your garbage, he gives you his joy. You give him your hell, he gives you his heaven. It's just an utter exchange, but it, it's a big exchange. And what you're saying is this, Jesus, I, I know this, I know I'm a sinner and I'm apart from you and I cannot do enough good things to be right with you. It is an impossibility. I confess to you that I have an inability to be right with God, but you have made a way for me to be right, and I accept that way. I say yes to your forgiveness. I say yes to your life, and I give you my life to be your follower. You want to take that step this morning. Online, North Campus, South Campus, I care not. You do this right now without hesitation. Throw your hand up and say, Jesus, I need to become your follower today. Put them up right now. Come on. People all over here. Amen. I mean, you keep them up for a second. Hey, Jesus, I am yours. There's awesome to see. Awesome to see. You can put your hands down. We'll get to you in a minute. If you say, I made a decision to follow Jesus one time, but I've been a long way from it. I've been utterly doing things on my own. I'm like that prodigal son Jesus talked about. I'm coming back. I'm saying, Jesus, I need to come back home. I need to follow you. And I'm saying to you, once again, I give my life to you in a fresh way. I'm a prodigal that has come home, and I will from this day forward follow you. If that describes you, put your hand up right now and say, Jesus, I'm home. Come on, Praise be to God. I am proud of you right now. It is so awesome. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray in a second, but these men and women who've come to Jesus, they deserve a shout of praise. We're proud of you. Praise be to God. So, Father, I pray over us that we'll just walk in the humility that you alone can give. We want to trust you, Lord. We do. We don't mean to, but we tend to keep walking in this place of independence. And I'm asking, Lord God, that you would give us a grace to follow you. Give us childlike humility. Impart it to us. Man, give us grace, Father. Father. To seek, give us grace, Father, to obey, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.